0: pastor here, and it's honor that you are here with us today. And uh, welcome to Engage City Church. If you're like, hey, I didn't know there was actually something in this random strip mall. Here we are. And uh, uh, yeah, we we are exist. We're here. You know, my joke is that we're Spruce Grove's best kept secret. And uh, because people drive by, there's like no way you could fit that many bodies in there. I'm like, it's irresponsible. It's not a smart thing to do, but we just jam them in here. And uh, so, hey, thanks for coming and sitting close and getting sweaty and all those good things in church. Thank you for praying as I was away last week, as, as Becca mentioned. Yes, this is. I think this is number nine this week. And But you know what? We saved the best for last, right? Save the best for last. And uh, also we had a worship team um, out at Stony Plain at Lighthouse Church this morning. So those guys were out there crushing it this morning. And uh, so thank you for all of your prayers and your thoughts. Why don't we read the Bible? Because that's what we're here for. Anyways, we're continuing the summer of hope with Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Wow. Okay. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Like you're thinking seven times. No, not seven times. Jesus replied. He's like, yes, not seven times. I can do it like four times, maybe three times and maybe one time. I'll just forgive him. He's like, no, no, not seven times, 70 times, seven. And Peter's like, man, I got a grade six education. What is that number exactly, Lord? And He's like, to infinity and beyond. There is no like set number here. He's Like, I'm, I'm I picked a number beyond your calculation abilities for a reason. Jesus has called us to live a life of forgiveness, to forgive in the same way that He forgave. In 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 reality, this is a continuation of a message that I started uh, a couple weeks ago. Last week, we had Pastor Jeremy preach an incredible message. Uh, uh, Two weeks ago, we started this conversation about forgiveness. And now, what's interesting uh, in my life about forgiveness is every single time I get up to speak a message about forgiveness, somebody shows up that week in my life that I have in the past needed to forgive. And they don't just show up once; Uh, they just keep coming. Like it's one person and this time is like they just kept coming. I would just see him at the park, see him at the store, see him everywhere. And I'm like, "Hey, God bless you, brother. Uh, <laughs> the Lord is teaching me something because the truth is when we start talking about these issues and the matters of the heart, you have to you know, walk what you're talking. And this area in specific is something that is actually crippling to us, to our futures and to our destinies, because what happens is we allow that unforgiveness that lives inside of us to actually control or dictate or direct our lives. We do this because, you know, we see, uh, so this is Keith sitting right here in the middle. Keith, just why don't you stand up for everyone can see you. Actually, why don't you come to the forward, Keith? Keith, come forward. Keith, come forward. Keith, 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 Keith. I don't know why we're chanting, but we are. Welcome, welcome to church. This is his first time. Just kidding. First time, no pressure. Uh, so let's say that this here is my friend Keith, and we've had a bit of an issue, and it all revolves around his beard. He's got a beautiful, luscious, well-maintained beard, and mine, like, cuts out, like, halfway to there. And so, like, I, I see his beard. I understand his beard. I revere the beard. And because of the I cannot do it, I hold a deep grudge against Keith. Because Keith's beard is a reminder of all my inadequacies. And so I harbor unforgiveness in my heart to Keith because of Keith's beard. He also told me that I would never grow a beard as nice as his. And so that cut me deep. And so I was like, all right, Keith. If that's even your name. Guys, this is the ninth time in seven days, okay? It doesn't have to make sense for you to laugh. Okay. And I'm like, Keith, I hate you so much. And so what I do is because, and he's not really done that much to me except insulted my manhood and my beardlessness. And so I just harbor this. And so like Keith and I both, we both like to go to non-hoa across the street to eat Vietnamese subs, you know, beef saute. So good, mi, that's what I'm talking about. But now because Keith is going there, and Keith, I hate Keith because I, I have unforgiveness in my heart towards him because of his insults towards me. I start saying, you know what? Oh, Keith's going there for lunch? Oh, I, I ain't going there. And Seb's like, put the, put the beef with sauté. I'm like, I will find a beef sauté somewhere else.
1: <laughs>
0: I will not desecrate a beef sauté in the presence of Keith. <laughs> and so I begin to frame my life around where he is. Oh, Keith comes to the 12 o'clock service? I'm coming to 9. I don't even want to cross over in the lobby. That guy's a jerk. Oh, he's getting married? I'm not going to that wedding. I'm going to extract the I am. I'm officiating, actually. Uh, But you get what I'm saying. All of a sudden, my unforgiveness actually begins to dictate and direct my life Because I'm allowing what's in my heart to decide where I'm going, who I'm hanging out with, who I'm talking to, and whether or not I'm even going to walk into that building or into this building here. Come on, give a big round of applause for Keith. I picked Keith because I love Keith so much, and uh, so it's just easy to insult him and get away with it. But unforgiveness begins to drive and dictate our lives. Now, every time I talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness, I feel like I always need to do a follow-up message, which is what this is here today. Because I end up having so many conversations after we first talk about forgiveness about how do we apply this principle of forgiveness. Because the truth is, it's one thing to say, I forgive you. But the question is, what happens after that? What's the next step? And what if, like, things are, like, a little rocky? (laughs) And we've heard this phrase, forgive and forget. You know, He's like, is that how we're supposed to do it? Well, spoiler alert, that's not in the Bible. Forgive and forget is not in the Bible. So though you might have read that in a reader's digest and your mom told you it's a great way to live your life, uh, that's wrong. So there must be a way forward. Well, the only way that is forward is the word of God because it actually separates and divides our soul and our spirit. It, it gets right into the very depths of who we are, it begins to unravel us and transform us into a better version of ourselves. I would say, not just a better version of ourselves, but the version that Jesus created us to be, which is a mirror reflection of him. So let's just jump into the Bible, Uh, Colossians chapter three, man, Chris is on it, we're already there. Make allowance for each other's faults. Maybe we should just stop right there, That's that's the whole message. Make allowance for each other's. You ever notice that when uh, when you, like, insult somebody or you, like, snap at somebody, you're like, oh, hey, you know what, I'm so sorry, like, I got stuck in traffic, and then there's a train, and then I didn't get to go to the Eat My Bon me because of Keith, and, like, you know, I'm so sorry, I was in a bad ass. I was hangry, you know, like, I'm so sorry, uh, you know, I, like, I, the wrong song was on the, you know, and we, we go into this whole, like, detailed explanation about why it was okay for me to cut your soul with a knife called My Words, And yet when somebody else does it to us, we're like, that is it. (laughs) But we always expect somebody to offer us some form of grace. But on the other side, we're like, "Mm mm-mm, last time. So why is it that we do that? Well, it's because we're selfish. It's because we can only see things from our own vantage point. And yet Jesus says, listen, this is a family. This is a community. This is like, this is us coming together. We're, We're not just coming to church just to hang out and sit in sweaty rows and chairs. Like, there's better AC other places. (laughs) AC that actually can keep up to this many people in this small of a room. We come here because God calls us to not just live in isolation, not to live alone. He calls us to live in the midst of a family, to live in the midst of community, to live connected to one another. And if we're going to live connected to one another, then we need to make allowance for each other's faults. I would go as far to say that you're not actually in a real relationship with somebody until they've hurt you. Because you have not opened your heart, you have not let them into your life. And I'm not talking about like a major damage, but I mean, we've all said things. We've we've all had those moments. So what if we could walk into relationships with the understanding that you're going to screw up, and I'm going to screw up, and there's going to be some bumps along the way, but in the end, it's worth it, and we're going to extend grace, and we're going to be understanding of your story, and you're going to be understanding of my story, and we're going to make room. And then we're going to remember that the Lord forgave us. So we're going to forgive others and our friends and our family because Jesus did. I mean, he really had this mic drop moment when he died on the cross for all of our sins. He's like, I'm doing it for you. And we're like, man, Jesus, you did that and you washed all my sins and you forgave me. I have no other choice. I have I've got this obligation now because you forgave me. So I got to forgive other people. God, why did you do that? I like to be angry. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Ephesians 4. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, just try this for a lifestyle. Be kind to each other. Tender hearted. And then he drops this. Forgiving one another. Again? Yeah. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. The unfortunate uh, situation is that actually what happens for a lot of us is that we use that anger, we use those insults, we use those things that we picked up along the way, we use that moment in in second grade, I don't know how old you are in second grade, when your teacher told you that you couldn't sit still long enough, so you weren't going to amount to anything, and you weren't going to be anything, and you 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 weren't doing it the right way, and you're like, well, I don't know if that happens now, it happens, and it's okay that it happens, because we're just going to forgive that person, even though they're a terrible human being, and Jesus forgave them, and we're forgiving them. But here's the thing. Those things resonate in people's hearts and their minds, and they get stuck in there. And then we we start using that little anger. Like, wow, they told me I was never going to do it. They told me I would never amount to it. And then we actually use that anger and that feeling and those emotions to push us forward. We say, I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove to them who I am, that I can do it, that I'm going to make it, that I'm going to get there, that I'm going to this, I'm going to that, I'm going to this. And you use it, and it could be the greatest driver of your success, except that means that your success is wrapped up and dependent on rage, anger, and harsh words. That the only way that you can sustain it and keep it up is you either fuel that fire, or you put it out and you shift gears in transition to live your life and build your success in your business on something else. See, I like to think that that rage is encapsulated in this thought from King Solomon. He says, a stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the resentment caused by a fool is even heavier. If you think that anger and rage are the thing that's going to keep you moving forward and, and, and lead you into success... I just want to suggest to you today that I believe that if you build your life on that, that you will build your life literally on something that is sinking. Because all it can do is pull you down, hold you down, and weight you down. But Hebrews 6 says that Jesus is the anchor for our souls, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And when we're anchored to Jesus, here's the good news. A natural anchor in the water, it goes down right to the very bottom, and it pulls you back. But when you're anchored to Jesus, that goes straight up. So when we're anchored to Jesus, he doesn't hold us back and, and, and leave us stuck. He actually, we're anchored up into the heavenlies and he pulls us up and he pulls us out of our situation. He pulls us up and out of our rage. He pulls us up and out of whatever we are stuck. And if you feel like you are stuck, if you feel like you are trapped, it is possible that your rage, anger, and resentment are actually weighing you down and keeping you treading water in place because you can't move. So there's an antidote, Hebrews 12. Work at living in peace with everyone. I mean, it's work, okay? And work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Verse 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting A weighty little verse, but it's we're in the middle of wedding season here. Anyone attended a wedding yet uh, this summer? Anyone attend two weddings? No, oh, one. Anyone attend three weddings? Tyler. Anyone attend four weddings? Tyler. (laughs) Carol, how many weddings have you done this year? 25, 25, yeah. So Carol is winning, okay? (laughs) Carol is winning. I've done two. Uh, So, it's wedding season, and when you do weddings, like, you call people to these vows, these commitments to one another, to look after, to care for one another through thick and thin, through every season of life. Last Sunday, we did a baby dedication for Manny and for Shania, and Harrison, there he is. He's just hanging out. Is he down there? Yeah, he's sleeping. And uh, and we, we, we had them come up here, and we've never done this before, and we got them to, like, do a whole bunch of vows, you know, to, uh, you know, say we're going to – raise our son uh, to follow Jesus. And then we did something significant. As a community, we actually said, we are also going to commit ourselves to you. And we made a commitment to be a family and be a community and to help them with all the vows and the pledges that they have made to raise Harrison in a way that would be honoring to Jesus. We made that commitment back. Because we're a family, we're not just a body of people that show up at any given time. And in, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Did you know that we have a responsibility to one another? We have a responsibility to, have hard conversations. And I hope that we would give one another permission to have these hard conversations. Now, the, the intent of these conversations is not to rip down, to tear down, or to destroy. These, the, the goal or the intent of these conversations is actually help you find wholeness in life and healing. Because this is how this actually goes. See, if I'm going to talk to somebody about a root of bitterness, I am uniquely positioned to do that because I have myself wrestled with the beast of the root of bitterness. So therefore, when I see somebody that has the root of bitterness, it is very obvious and very clear to me because I know the signs and the symptoms. You know, this past week at camp, we, Craig we got colds, like, like, you know, man colds. And I'm pretty sure, you know, you, you see the symptoms. And when somebody's sick and getting on an airplane and their eyes are red and the, the snot is oh, fluorescent, and you're just like, the, the people, you come on and they're like, oh, dear Jesus, please do not let that person sit beside me. Please do not let that person sit beside me. I can, you can see that in their eyes because people know the symptoms of being sick. It's the same prayer that they pray when somebody with a baby comes on the airplane. They're like, oh, God, please, no, not me. And then every time you pray that, they get sat right beside you. The Lord is teaching you a lesson in humility and patience. And uh, But you know the signs. You know the symptoms. So when I know the signs and the symptoms of bitterness, then it is incumbent on me. It is my responsibility out of love for you to speak into that area in your life. Now, here's the hard part. And we use this scripture called, you know, you need to speak the truth in love. And that's that's a biblical concept. But we use that idea to speak our truth into somebody else's life, not Out of love, but out of ego so we could hear our truth resounding in them. It's not our job to come beat people up with truth. It's our job to speak the truth in love, which means our ultimate motive is to see them whole and healed and set free, not to rip them a new one. So when we have these conversations, it's not to tear them down. It is to build people the Spirit of God leads us into all truth. So you can be led by the Spirit and have a conversation, making allowance for somebody else's faults, making some room for all those things, and have a conversation that is serious. But can I tell you that when you when you step out and you do have those conversations, you're not just saving one. You're saving everybody in that person's sphere, sphere of influence. Have you ever been to a party that's just like going off? It's amazing. Everyone's having a great time. And then that one person comes in and you're having a great conversation and they're like, yeah, so uh, I lost my job this week. And you're like, okay, oh, man, sorry, I'm really sorry to hear that. Man, can I get you some nachos? No, like I'm lactose intolerant. Oh, that's, a, that's a double tough go, man. It's like I'm also gluten free. Wow. Oh, can I get you anything else? No, I'm on keto. And I'm not like knocking the diet. They're just like. Everything. Like, I can't eat that. I can't do that. My life is the worst. Did you know that I'm like, I just have a terrible life and my life is the worst? And you're like, hey, man, that's so bad. Like, that sucks. Like, hey, how can we help you? Like, you can't. Oh, okay. And you're like, hey, man, did you guys go see that movie last week? Yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> that person just like, bring it to Debbie down. It's just like bringing the party down. Yeah. The truth is, if we do not deal with this root of bitterness, it causes an epidemic because it begins to corrupt corrupt everybody around them because if you carry that in your spirit and in your heart you can't help but share it and spread it when you get close you're like oh man you know who's the worst that person you're like i'm not i'm not even a negative person why am i thinking this way because it's something spiritual you know behind every natural struggle there is like something spiritual going on so that That person, without even knowing it, is is sharing their anger and sharing their bitterness with you. And you are picking it up on a deeply spiritual, unconscious level. And it begins to creep into your conscious and into the way that you think. So if you would just have that one awkward conversation with that one person, you could actually not only help set them free, but you could save 15 or 20 people from this very battle themselves. But let's let's shift gears. How do we... How do we handle the person that we've now forgiven? This is kind of part two of our message on forgiveness. How do we handle that person? Well, good thing you asked. We're going to look for wisdom. In James 1, it says, if you need wisdom, you can ask our God, and he is always generous to give it. And he does not smack your hand away. He actually invites it. So we're going to go to the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. And this is what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent or sensible person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton, which it's in in the Bible, which means foolish and naive, goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So how do I handle that person that I've forgiven? We don't just forgive and forget. But we are honest and we are open about the situation. We understand the pain that they have caused us. We understand that just because they have been forgiven does not mean that the trust has been restored. You know, sometimes we're like, well, I, but like forgiving them, like I've set them free. No, you're setting yourself free. When you forgive somebody, that's, that's on you. That's what's going on in your heart and in your mind. So when you forgive somebody, they're occupying space in your heart and in your mind. And you're taking that thoughts and those energies and all those things, and you're actually just giving it to Jesus and taking it off your plate. You're setting you free by giving it to the only one who can grant you freedom, Jesus. You're setting you free. That doesn't change them. That just changes you. And you can even say it to their face like, I forgive you. And they're like, great. I'm a terrible person. And you're like, I am agreeing with that. But I'm speaking the truth in love. And you have some areas of improvement. But if somebody has come and broken your trust, violated your relationship, the Bible says, a prudent or sensible person foresees the danger and takes precautions. It is okay for you to take precautions. It is okay for you to understand that there's now a process for us to restore this relationship. That you that just because I've forgiven you, it doesn't mean that all the trust comes back. It means that it's okay to have steps that we're moving on a journey forward, moving towards reconciliation, moving towards coming back together. We take precautions. Now, I need to give you a precaution for your precaution, and that is human nature is that we go all in. So when we make precautions, we actually build for ourselves this mighty fortress of solitude. You know, we're like, we put up all the walls, we put up all the barriers, and we're like, ain't nobody getting in here again. You can't hurt me. And then what we do is we just create for ourselves a fortress of solitude. And we invite in loneliness. (laughs) And we're like, man, where did everybody go? No, you actually put up a barrier and you push them away. So I'm not saying that we put up barriers and we hide. What I'm saying is we take precautions in certain and specific situations to begin to rebuild and reestablish trust in safe parameters. And we always do this in the spirit of love. And it's a spirit <laughs> understanding that Jesus wants to do something in them as much as he wants to do something in you. It's okay to take precautions. It is okay. I just feel like I need to give some people permission. <laughs> hey, how's Stony playing? Hey, awesome. Um, I feel like we, I just need to give people some, a few people just some permission take some space and to understand that just because you, that trust has been broken you don't have to give everything back right now and just in case we did not get the idea i just want us to jump ahead to proverbs twenty seven twelve. okay here we go proverbs twenty seven twelve: a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences did you know what notice what he did there We don't get it all the time on the first try. We don't always get it. We're simpletons, which is why it says simpletons. (laughs) He's like, hey, simpletons, as if you didn't get it the first time, four chapters later, I'm just going to remind you to take precautions when danger is approaching. Like, people, wear a life jacket. It's just like, it's simple. (laughs) We take precautions as if that was not enough. In Proverbs twenty six eleven, this is, uh, you're gonna love this. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How's that taste the second time? <laughs> How's that taste? <laughs> wow. How do we handle that person? We understand that it's okay to take some precautions as long as we're moving towards reconciliation and wholeness. The truth is you cannot control that process, but you can trust Jesus and take steps towards moving them forward and moving yourself forward. You cannot control what they do. It's not your job to control them. It's not your job to control the outcome. It's your job to trust Jesus and move forward. Oh, this is how we do it again. One. Sorry, that was real bad. We do this uh, one. Right, right, right. Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Sometimes to guard your heart, you need to open yourself up to all of Jesus. And sometimes to guard your heart, you need to take some spirit-led precautions to protect yourself and your family so that God can do his thing in the midst of a desperate situation. invite you but there's no guitar for you to play (laughs) you can play keys i guess (laughs) i had i had some other things but i'll I'll leave this with you proverbs 3 says this my child don't lose sight of common sense and discernment hang on to them for they will refresh your soul They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You know, it's possible that you've been wrestling with your sleep. Because there's things that are going on in the depths of who you are that are not allowing your soul to find Part of that is that we try and figure out our own answers and solutions to our own problems instead of just giving it to Jesus and following his lead. Part of it is that we haven't taken the right precautions. We keep allowing these people and these voices to tear us down and rip us apart, and we deal with the fallout of it as our heads hit the pillow. And I believe that today specifically, I, you know, I feel it strongly for this service, that God wants to restore to you your sleep. Some rest. You don't have to wrestle and fight and struggle every night to find rest. God wants to give you rest and He wants to give you peace and He wants to remind you that wisdom, common sense, and discernment are going to refresh your soul. That you have the and, and for your future, that God's given that to you. We trust Jesus. We ask him for a plan. We ask him for a strategy. Lord, we ask him for the right precaution at the right time with the right people. This isn't one size fits all. This is relationship by relationship by relationship by relationship. Like you just don't meet somebody and hand them your debit card and say, hey, we're friends now. Here, I trust you. Here's my PIN number, right? So why do we do that with our heart? right? Especially if that person has to steal from you time after time after time after time so why do we do it with our heart it's okay to use wisdom discernment and discretion to trust in the
1: As far as heights reach from the depths, as far as east is from the west to follow your grace is carry me until I see you face to face until at last I fall. is for right.
0: Continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That he's not finished with you yet. The process is not over. It's not over until Jesus comes back. Those things that he started, those relationships that seem broken and scattered right now, that's not how they have to remain. When we invite Jesus into the center of our hearts, into the center of our lives, into the center of our relationships, he starts putting the broken pieces back together. does it in his season, in his time, Ecclesiastes 3.11. I say this all the time. Everything will be made beautiful in his time. His time. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place. I believe even as I was speaking, there's people or situations or circumstances that began to come to your heart and your mind. For some of us, it was as if they were just like flashing beacons that you couldn't get away from them. You're like, why does this keep coming back into my head? This is just like, what is this? That's Jesus Himself speaking to you and bringing something from the depths of your heart to the surface because He wants to bring healing and wholeness into that area. So, we're just going to take a moment. Seb's going to sing this pre course again. And whatever that situation is, whatever that person is, Whether you need to forgive them or you just need to pray for them, would you just take a moment here, right here, right now, to give that thing to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I can't handle this. I just need your thought. I need your wisdom. I need your sermon. I can't do this on my own. Invite him into the situation. Invite him into your struggle. Invite him into your hurt. Invite him into your pain so he can bring healing in life. here today, and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you never made the choice to put your trust in Him, but today you see these baptisms, and the entire time I'm, I've am i been talking, there's just been something stirring inside of you that says, man, there, there's more here, there's more, there's more, don't write this off, there's more here, there's something, there's been a longing inside of you, you're like, yeah, what is this, what is this feeling It's Jesus himself calling you, saying he wants to walk with you every day of your life. If you would put your hope and your trust in him, he will not disappoint you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave you nor forsake you. These are his promises, and I can stand here, and I can confidently say that these things are true, and he is trustworthy, and if you put your heart in his hands, he will lead you into a life like you've never experienced before. So if you're here today and you would make that choice, you'd like to make that decision for yourself to follow Jesus. You might not know all of what that means, but you just feel compelled by this love of God. Then I'm going to count down from three. When I get to one, you can just give me a quick wave. Say, yeah, that's me. I want to make a decision today to start my journey with Jesus. As I'm counting, every person in this room that's been where you are right now is going to be praying for you because they know what drawing that air anxiety, but what you need to know whether it's your first time or your 32nd time is that your heavenly Father is standing at the end of the driveway watching for you to come just around the corner and he's ready to just welcome you home. So if that's you today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or the 32nd time, give me a wave. And three, two, you want to discover a faith that's your own. Quick wave. Quick wave. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Would you all just repeat this after me? Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I need you. 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 Right now, right now, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life, and I give you everything. I give my wins. My wins. My, losses, my losses. My sins. My sins. My successes. successes. It's all yours. All yours. Jesus, Jesus. From this moment on. This moment on. I choose you. Choose you. I'm following you. Following you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. Lead me forward. Lead me forward. I give you my trust. My trust. And my confidence. confidence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody said. Amen. Can we give a big round of applause for those who prayed that prayer for the first time? All right, guys. Our Four Monday for this week is actually from a couple uh, weeks ago, from the sermon a couple weeks ago. Um, Sometimes these really difficult relational situations and situations of unforgiveness are stressful, and they're anxiety inducing, and they cause us to worry. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Brett reminded us that those thoughts of worry and anxiety are just a reminder to pray. So this week, when you experience those, um, let them be not a stressor, but a reminder that you can lift that situation up to God. Um, yeah, if you guys would like to give today, we've got a couple different ways. Um, there is cash, c- credit, and debit in the lobby. Um, as well, we also use the Tidely app, which is electronic. It's an app, um, and it's pretty easy to use, so you can use that as well. Um, other than that, we'll see you next week at 10, 30, and 12. No 9 a.m. service. Have a great week.